Hi there, it's Jillian, and I want to tell you about Jillian on Love Plus, your way to get even more Jillian on Love each week by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Patreon. You can access exclusive bonus episodes with extras, including answers to your most burning questions, advice on all things dating and relationships, and much more. Check out the link in the episode description for more information. Hi there, this is Jillian on Love, and I'm on a mission to teach people how to completely revolutionize their romantic relationships by first transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you are in a relationship, single or heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their minds, their bodies, and their breaths. I've coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up for and within their love lives. Today's episode is how to navigate dating and breaking up as an anxiously attached person. Or as I would like to say, just someone who fears a lot of abandonment and attaches quickly. And I would say for sure, I would listen, if you have not already, to my episode on anxious attachment, titled Anxious Attachment, and also my episode on relationship anxiety. Also, my episode on the chaser and the runner. All of these speak to attachment wounding And I wanted to do an episode very specifically for those of you who really struggle with getting very attached and getting anxious and nervous and really worrying about being abandoned in the dating process, but also in the breaking up process. The first thing that I will say, I'm going to focus on dating first, and then I'll go into breaking up. This will apply to many of you even if you don't quote unquote identify as being anxiously attached, there's going to be a a lot that you will, I think, resonate with and applies across all attachment wounding and all problems. This is really also about just dating so much more responsibly and with greater wisdom. So number one, the first thing is that you have to be honest about what you struggle with yourself. You have to tell yourself the truth. And that is, okay, I attach too quickly. When I'm in a relationship, I tend to get anxious. I tend to get dysregulated easily. I tend to have abandonment stuff, even if I've been working on it, even if it is 10 times better than it was last year or 10 times better than it was when I was younger, it's still something that I have to face in some way or another, or I'm forced to face, particularly when I feel vulnerable in a romantic scenario. So first, it's just about being really honest with yourself. That's what you struggle with and that it's okay. But because of that, You have to have certain boundaries, okay? But before I get into boundaries, you got to know the power of communication. So 
oftentimes people, and particularly the anxiously attached, will not assert themselves in relationships and in dating scenarios because there's also intertwined with the anxious attachment, there's often an underlying deficit in feeling worthy, in self-worthiness and in self-esteem. And that usually serves as the reason behind why many people, specifically the anxiously attached, won't communicate what it is that they want and they need because they don't want to appear needy and or they don't want to scare someone off in any way. And this is something that I think that if we're all honest with ourselves, regardless of whatever attachment wounds we have or don't have, not communicating is a pretty common thing. (laughs) Not being direct and truthful and honest about what our intentions are, what our expectations are, and what our boundaries are is so incredibly rampant and widespread. I mean, I, I don't think there would be a relationship therapist coaching industry if it weren't for the fact that so many of us struggle with this because we don't learn this in school. And many of us didn't learn this at all, directly or indirectly from our parents from childhood because they were doing the best that they could. But even more specifically, if you are someone who's anxiously attached, what is actually paradoxically going to lead to you feeling more secure, not only in your own skin, but also relationally, is learning how to communicate and having the courage to assert your needs, your boundaries, and expectations. But first, you got to get clear with yourself. What are your boundaries? What are your sexual boundaries? What are your boundaries when you start dating someone? Do you have expectations that someone should get right back to you? You know, maybe your expectations are unrealistic. Maybe you don't have enough expectations, but a lot of the anxiously attached will have these expectations that, you know, after date one, they should be contacting me a lot. And the thing is, sometimes things take a little bit of time for there to be some momentum. But this is why it is so important to have someone in your life who is objective and who has your back and who knows you whether that's a mentor, a therapist, a coach, a teacher, a friend, a family member, who can keep you grounded when you are thinking about and exploring what your expectations are. For example, I think that a realistic expectation is, yes, I go on a date with someone. My expectation is, I let's say they took me out. I thank them for the dinner. I thank them and that they also respond. It is a healthy expectation that when you're dating someone and you send them a text that they respond to you at least within a couple of hours. But I think that what you need to really first distinguish or to clarify for yourself is what are the expectations that you've historically had when it comes to dating and relationship? And which are the ones that you're not quite sure about that you need to talk to someone who's actually secure and has a strong sense of self, who can help you with this, or who's at least very objective with you. And then you have to communicate them. You have to communicate it. 
say, when I'm dating someone, when I'm investing this kind of energy in someone, I expect there to be the same amount of energy invested in me. And if it's not, that's okay. But then we need to talk about it because maybe it's not a match. I am telling you, once you can really stay loyal to what it is that you want and what your expectations are, and then communicate them with the understanding that just by communicating your expectations, it doesn't mean that it's going to be received. You understand that there's going to be a dialogue after that, which is either going to leave you feeling like you both understand each other, or you're going to feel very misunderstood. In which case, you don't continue to date them. Because this is a very key component to dating, regardless of what your struggles are. Two people who are mature can have a dialogue about expectations and boundaries with the understanding that they may not be able to adapt to each other's expectations and boundaries. And if that is the case, they know how to call it right then and there, that it's not a match. That's ultimately what we have to aim for. But you can only focus on yourself and say, I'm going to figure out what my expectations are and communicate them. I'm going to really figure out what my boundaries are about sex. So for example, as an anxiously attached person, I would put money on the fact that when you sleep with someone, you get attached to them. You have an expectation that once you sleep with them, that there is going to be a deepening of the emotional connection between the two of you. And I am here to say that not everyone associates sex with a deeper emotional connection. This is the game changer. I am literally giving you what I think is probably my best advice when it comes to dating. Get very real with yourself. If your expectation is once I sleep with someone who I like, right? It's not just, it's not someone who I don't like. Someone who I actually really have feelings for, like I'm really like drawn to and attracted to. Once I sleep with them, my expectation is that we are now going to be at another level of our connection and it's going to be deeper. You are not wrong for having that expectation, but I'm here to tell you that not everyone operates like that. So when it comes to sex, and this is number two, and this is not in any particular order, you have to say, look, this is what my expectation is around physical intimacy. When I have sex with someone who I like, I form a deeper emotional bond with that person. And what I want and expect and need after that is our relationship to be taken to another or our connection to be taken to another level. Is that the same for you? Now, there are going to be people who might just tell you what you want to hear because they just want to have sex with you. And this is where you have to just be savvy and dating and wait. Because after date two, it's a little too soon or date one, it's too soon. Now, this is not a moral thing. This is how do you date as an anxiously attached person so that you have your own back and you don't get yourself into situations that are unclear because the kryptonite to someone who is either highly sensitive, fears abandonment, or anxiously attached, any one of those, 
the kryptonite to that person is lack of clarity. And what's going to soothe your nervous system is to have clarity. But you cannot just expect someone to give you clarity. You have to be the protector of your heart and of your energy. And I promise you that what you should expect is that when you talk about these things with someone, and if they're resistant or they just don't want to talk about it or they're dismissive, they're resistant or dismissive, they don't get to be with you in any capacity. Because one of the standards that we have to have as adult dating is I'm going to communicate, I'm going to be courageous and communicate leading with the truth, leading with vulnerability, and I'm going to protect my heart. I'm going to be an advocate for my heart. I'm going to ask for what I need. And I'm going to expect that whoever I decide to invest myself emotionally with, I'm going to expect that they can do the same. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. There are times in life where we can feel incredibly uncertain. Like, for example, a breakup or a job change or wanting to move, you know, going through a big transition in your life. And I know personally when I've gone through those huge transitions or gone through really difficult times, I have needed someone to talk to. And that's where therapy has been just a huge help to me personally. Because the reality is, is that sometimes in life we're faced with a lot of difficult decisions and which choice to make and the path forward isn't really always that clear. And so being able to talk to someone who is totally objective, where they can help you find the best solution for you, the best path forward, it's just really important. Life is filled with a lot of important decisions and tough choices. And if we're just trying to figure them out on our own, we end up ruminating, getting in our heads, and then we end up feeling really stuck. And it's in that place that we feel really stuck that we start to feel very overwhelmed and it can actually lead to a lot of anxiety and depression. So whether you're dealing with decisions around career or relationship or literally anything else, therapy can help you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate those decisions so that you can actually move forward with excitement, looking forward to the future. And so I can't really recommend it enough. I think that it's something that everyone should experience at least at one stage of their life just to talk to someone in therapy. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. First of all, it's entirely online. So it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You would just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And the best thing is that you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because it's important, just like any other relationship, that there's a rapport and there's a chemistry between you and the therapist. You have to feel really comfortable with them. So having that added bonus of being able to switch therapists at any time and not be charged for that is so important. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash onlove today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash onlove.
So this leads me to the next thing. As a sensitive or anxiously attached person, you must make good communication and consistency and non-negotiable in a partner. So I would not date anyone who is not a good communicator. And I want you to be a great communicator in relationship. That's what you need to step into. And you can't be with someone who shuts down. It's just not going to work for you. (laughs) Hate to break it to you. No matter how hot they are, no matter how good they are in paper, no matter how strong your connection is, they need to be a good communicator. And sometimes, oftentimes, that takes a few weeks to really know or it takes several dates. That's why if you can wait to have sex with them until you know that they are actually a communicator and that they are actually consistent, that is the name of the game. And that is how you date wisely and responsibly as an anxiously attached and or sensitive person. So you got to become a communicator. And that means getting clear with yourself about your expectations and your boundaries. You need to bring this up and welcome the dialogue that happens after that. You have to take note of any resistance or dismissiveness. As soon as that happens, they're out because being a communicator and being someone who's consistent is your two non-negotiables and you need that. And maybe in the very beginning, the communication is they check in on you. You check in with each other before dates. They plan dates, right? That's very important because if someone is not being communicative with you or not planning dates with you and you want them to be the planning of dates, like it's not your job to convince someone to be more into you. It's not your job to convince someone to invest more emotionally in you. Your only job is to be very clear about your feelings and what you want and then be willing and ready to accept whatever resistance and dismissiveness you might be getting from the other person and take that as a very strong clue that you need to move on. Because just because you're anxiously attached doesn't mean that you don't know how to make smart decisions for yourself. You do. But sometimes when we get really attached, we don't make the best decisions for ourselves. So these are some of the ways that you can mitigate that early attachment to someone who may not be in any way appropriate for you. Don't have sex with them until you know. Next, which is kind of three or four, you got to process your enthusiasm. So sometimes when people are really sensitive or they're anxiously attached, and actually they just be all attachment wounds. Sometimes we get so excited about someone when we meet them. We really like them and there's something really just sweet about that and wonderful about it. But If we don't process our enthusiasm and we just get totally carried away with our emotions, that's what teenagers do. That's what people in their early 20s do because that's what it's all about. But as we get older, we have to recognize when we're really enthusiastic and enjoy it while simultaneously processing our enthusiasm so that we don't let our excitement about someone cloud our judgment. And We process our enthusiasm by talking to someone we trust. We process our enthusiasm by 
saying to ourselves, okay, well, I know that I have a few non-negotiables, one being they have to be a communicator and they have to be consistent. And by the way, I would add some more non-negotiables to that, but not many, because a non-negotiables really shouldn't be a long list. It should be the this or nothing list. And you say, you know, these are the things that I really value. And I know that I cannot and will not be in a relationship with someone who does not value this particular thing that I value. Once you get really clear about those things, and I would listen to the art of choosing the right partner, that will help clarify that just by the way. But once you get really clear about that, then you can say part of the processing of your enthusiasm is, okay, I'm enthusiastic. This feels really good. Like I feel really good when I'm around them. I'm excited to learn more. And I know that there's a lot more for me to learn before I start projecting my entire future and childhood fantasy of what a relationship looks like onto this person. Processing enthusiasm is about having regular check-ins with yourself and perhaps with another to just keep yourself grounded. Another way to process your enthusiasm is to learn how to work with your nervous system. So sometimes it's enthusiasm is great, but when enthusiasm becomes over the top where we are not processing and we are at risk of love bombing or being love bombed, honestly, is to recognize that it can turn into a rather manic state. That enthusiasm can be something that that mimics the anxiety. It almost feels like a pressure cooker inside. And so the self-awareness is to recognize, okay, I'm feeling really, really excited about it. This is a great feeling, but I also know I don't know. I've been bored a lot lately. And so this is very stimulating. This is a very stimulating and it feels good because there's been a lack of stimulation in my life. Or I feel very enthusiastic because it's been a long time since I've been with someone. Or I'm feeling very enthusiastic because I tend to get sort of over the top. So part of the processing is noticing that when your nervous system is starting to get ahead of you in that way, is to incorporate a daily practice that calms your nervous system. I recently gave a workshop on relationship anxiety. And one of the things that I said, and I will continue to say, and I say this to my clients and I say this to myself, is we have to challenge ourselves to help ourselves. And if you struggle with any kind of anxiety particularly in the dating process and stage, you have to work with a daily practice that balances your nervous system so that you can process more clearly and take your time. Because we can't do this without incorporating the body. It's just how it is. I'm a very sensitive person If I don't have a daily practice to regulate my nervous system, I can easily get unregulated. I was born this way. This is not trauma. This is literally how I was born. And it actually makes me more susceptible to experiencing trauma from things that many people would not experience as traumatic 
because of a sensitive nervous system. So what have I done? I mean, for me, it's a yoga practice. It's a breathwork practice. It's meditation. And I sometimes fall off the wagon. Rarely do I fall off the wagon with yoga, but sometimes I don't really carve out the time that's necessary. And I, when I don't, you know, I get away with it maybe for a week or two, but then it's very clear that I don't. And so you need as someone who struggles with high degrees of sensitivity and anxious attachment, you need a daily practice of where you are relaxing. Now, paradoxically, there's certain exercise that's obviously not relaxing, but because of the exertion mentally and physically, it puts you into a parasympathetic state where you can calm afterwards. So you need a daily practice that's healthy for you, not something that numbs you, but something that actually long-term reorganizes you on a cellular level to be able to meet the demands of your life and the uncertainty that is guaranteed of dating more responsibly and more calmly. And let's not forget that dating is an adventure. And part of us like that. We like that stimulation until we get to that threshold point where we like them and we start to get attached. And then what was once stimulating and exciting, it morphs into anxiety. And then we're still stimulated, but we're stimulated past our threshold, past the threshold of our psychology and past the threshold of our nervous system. And that's when we start to feel out of control and we do become out of control. So you must know that threshold and all these tips are to make it so that you don't go over your threshold. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. How many subscriptions do you have currently that you have either forgotten about or you're just not thinking about that's literally bleeding money out of your pockets. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. This personally is a complete game changer for me. I mean, how many times have you signed up for something and thought it was a good idea and then you just totally forgot about it? Or you're like, oh, whatever. And it's like, okay, maybe it's only $5 a month or maybe it's only, you know, like $40 a year. It's still money that's going to something that you're not using. And it is such a waste. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. And chances are you're one of them. I'm certainly one of them. And just like that, you know, whatever, that app that you got to watch one show, <laughs> how many subscriptions do you have to different things? So you're like, I have to watch this movie. I have to watch this show. And then you're like, oh, whatever. It's just sitting there and it is wasting your money. Rocket Money, however, will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And for any you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks off. 
thank God for rocket money, because honestly, I think that so many of us need this help to keep things organized. And again, with technology today and with so many things being done from home, we are easily wasting so much money. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel those unwanted subscriptions that are totally wasting your money and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash on love. So this is special for listeners just like you. That's rocketmoney.com slash on love, rocketmoney.com slash on love. So protecting your energy, deciding to become a communicator, making a communicator and a consistent person a non-negotiable in terms of who you're going to give a chance to in a partner, you're waiting to have sex, processing your enthusiasm so that your enthusiasm doesn't go past your threshold, wherever your threshold is. And that leads me to going slow with one person versus dating a lot of other, a lot of people at once. So one of the things that I've advised certain people to do is sometimes when you're dating, it is helpful to date a couple of people, as long as you're honest at once, not to get serious with more than one people, more than one person. But when you're first dipping your toes in dating, when you're just in the talking to someone stage, let there be a couple or more so that you don't get unnecessarily attached to one person's voice or one date. But then I really am all in favor of, okay, well, you know, nurturing various connections can be exhausting. I'm certainly not designed for that. But once you kind of narrow it down to this is the person who I feel the most interested in, the most chemistry with, this is the person that I actually want to focus more of my energy, that's fine. Going slow with someone doesn't mean lack of clarity. Going slow with someone is, let me be very clear about what my boundaries are and my expectations are. Let me be very clear about the fact that I am not going to allow myself in, to get into something complicated, a situationship. But let's not play house right away. Let's not play house right away. Let's really get to know each other. Let's take time before we move this into physical intimacy. Let's not go on a vacation together right away. Let's know a little bit more about each other. Let's learn about the things that make each other tick. Let's learn about some of our traumas and the things that make us feel weak. Let's really get to know each other on a deeper level so that we build a foundation of emotional connection and security before we jump right into what teenagers and young adults do, which is let's play house together, let's plan their future together, let's go away together, and you barely know each other. So that's really what going slow is. And if you're anxiously attached, it's a game changer. But you have to be loyal to that. Next point. Nurture your life and your autonomy. I don't care how anxiously attached you become in relationships. You still have a very autonomous being that lives inside of you. You may even have an avoidant that lives inside of you because we are never just one thing. Attachment wounds are just a lens through which we can view relationship to give us a better 
idea of the complicated and complex tapestry that is relationship and that is human beings. You want to make sure that you stay very, very grounded with your friendships and your life outside of this person when you're starting to date someone and that you still nurture your autonomy, things that you want to do, your independence. That's very, very important because where certain people I have to work on getting them to let go of some of the hyper-independence so that they can let love in. Usually with the anxiously attached, they forgo their independence. And that might mean that you need to get more of a life and more independence. It might mean that your deeper work is to learn how to take care of yourself, let's say financially or emotionally. It might be that you have to learn how to have deeper friendships or nurture community and friendships. Maybe it means that you have to take more risks in life, but you might find that you have to give more attention to the part of you that needs to be able to stand on their own two feet and be more independent so that you don't get yourself into a codependent situation with someone where you are over-relying on another person for your happiness and for your stability in life. Not that every anxiously attached person is codependent, but I do see a lot of similarities. So making sure that you nurture your life and your autonomy and your independence, that's very important. You have to designate a large portion of your energy and love and attention to that, which is really dedicating your love and attention to yourself because it's going to make you a better partner. It's going to make you more secure. It's just, it's a win-win all around. And then what you have to do, because this is what's really difficult for those who are anxiously attached, what's difficult for them is to accept and respect the autonomy of the other person. So let's just say you're dating and it's starting to become more serious. One of the important conversations you can have among many others, which I outlined in the recent episode, is how can I support you feeling free and autonomous and independent in this relationship? I wish I had included that in the important conversations episode, but that's okay because I'm including it now, but it's an important one. How can I support your autonomy and freedom and independence in this relationship? And you might hear, well, you know, once in a while I like to go on a trip with just my friends and really know that we're good if I leave, you know, like that's not going to threaten the infrastructure of our relationship. Like we have a strong enough foundation that I can leave once in a while and it's not going to be threatening. That's a really important thing that the anxiously attached person really needs to honor is, yeah, I'm not going to punish you for wanting freedom and independence. What I need also is just to know that like we are working on our foundation and infrastructure and like sometimes I just need to know that like when you're going on that trip that you love me and that it's got nothing to do with wanting to be like not around me. And here's the thing, the more willing we are to have the hard conversations leading with love and vulnerability, the more willing we are able to be great communicators with each other, open, honest, and willing participants of the relationship, the less need you will have to be reassured when your partner goes away without you. 
because there will be so much sturdy infrastructure that's been built already through your willingness to both be strong communicators with each other. And that's the power of a secure relationship. All that attachment stuff can go away, really. It can dissipate. And two people are just communicators with one another and ask questions with curiosity. Again, leading with truth and leading with vulnerability. Next, when you're dating, what's going to happen is that there are going to be many, many times where you are going to wonder if it is your anxiety or it's your date. Is it them being flaky or is it your trauma and anxious attachment? And all I can say is that to distinguish between the two, you need to have someone who you trust, who's objective and who's secure and knows you to talk to. It's so incredibly important. And that might be a couple of people. I mean, it just might be that one friend that you know will always give you like the straight answer or the therapist or whatnot. But sometimes it's really hard to know. And it's totally fair for you to feel confused and incapable at times of making that distinction between whether or not it's you or it's them. And sometimes you really need someone to help you see that more clearly. So having someone. And then lastly, when you do feel nervous and insecure, learning how to increase your threshold for the discomfort and the pain that comes with feeling insecure is key. And we do that with awareness. We do that with breath. We do that with having a conversation with a loved one. There's many different ways to balance the nervous system. But we have to, like I said, when we're in that state, there's usually two things that people want to do. They want to run and hide and shut down, or they need the answers right away. Either one, what we're trying to do is we're trying to avoid feeling the feeling that we're feeling in that moment. And the deeper, harder, dare I say, spiritual work is to learn how to, in that moment, say, okay, I am feeling this right now. It is uncomfortable. This has, this is an old, familiar feeling. I've been here before. This is part of what I struggle with. I can't will it away. It is here. But what I can do is call a friend. What I can do is go exercise. What I can do is some yoga. What I can do is take a walk. What I can do is breathe deeply. What I can do is remind myself that this is a temporary state. What I can do is remain present with myself and recognize that I'm future tripping right now and I'm going to keep bringing myself as many times as I need to inside of a minute to return to the present moment. If it becomes unbearable, I'm going to call that loved one because there's really nothing more regulating to our nervous system than speaking to someone who is safe and who we care about. And I will call that person in my life. In that moment, I will be reminded that I am loved. I will be reminded that I'm safe. I will be reminded that this person who I might be obsessing over 
I don't know them well enough to be that important to me. And I will be reminded of these truths. And I will calm down. And I will say that if you take all these tips to heart, it does get a lot easier. If you take the tip to, of what the non-negotiable is, it'll get so much easier, I promise you. Breaking up as a highly sensitive person or anxiously attached person can be quite a drama. And I would say that one of the biggest and hardest lessons an anxiously attached person learns in a breakup is that they have to not try to force a relationship and a connection with those who clearly do not want that and cannot meet their needs. So the very anxiously attached person will cling to the very person who they know and have even acknowledged can't meet their needs. So they will cling to the person who could never make them happy because they don't want to lose the connection. Because losing, and none of us really want to lose the connection. We all, attachment is a part of life. But that need to stay attached is so overwhelming that it'll overwhelm the reality that we know that they're just, they could never meet our needs. And learning to let go and to process, and now it's not about processing enthusiasm, it's about processing the reality of what this person was not able to bring to the table and could never make you happy, and to learn to sit with the discomfort and, like I said, regulate the nervous system. A lot of the things that I mentioned about dating applies to breaking up, but I wanted to add this to this episode because I just want to validate those of you who may be experiencing this, that yes, in many ways it is harder for you because there's likely a part of you that's like, why am I grasping for this person who, if I'm honest with myself, many times throughout our relationship, there was a part of me that wanted to break up with them, but just could never because then that would mean the dissolution of our connection. And that dissolution of the connection was way too daunting for me, even though the wiser part of me knew that this was never going to work. And it can be very frustrating because we know this. It's this duality that lives inside of us, this internal conflict where we're at war with ourselves because we don't want to lose the attachment. But at the same time, we know the attachment's not right with them. And you just have to be easy on yourself about that. You have to be honest and tell the truth to yourself about that. And you have to be your best friend in this moment. You really do. There's a reason why all this inner child work out there has is, is become so popular. Like you really have to just reach inside of you and hold the hand of the child inside of you that is grasping to this person who we projected a parental figure onto. It's deep stuff, but we don't have to overcomplicate it. It's all about learning to regulate, learning to be your own best friend, learning to parent yourself in that moment, and then understanding that like it's just going to be a little bit more difficult for you in the beginning. 
but you, just like everyone else, will survive and get over it. You might, as an anxiously attached person going through a breakup, really need a therapist or a coach or someone to speak to on a regular basis to help you process the detaching, to help you detach, and to help you process the intense feelings of abandonment and not good enough and rejection that pretty much everyone feels in a breakup. But I'm speaking most specifically like to an anxiously attached person who's been left, right? It's like their biggest nightmare. Okay, I'm rejected. I'm not good enough. I'm abandoned. And sometimes what we have to, in getting real with ourselves, we have to say, you know, I could see this as abandonment or I can see this as the freedom that I was unconsciously yearning for too, but did not have the courage to initiate. So you have to be really kind to yourself. This is just unearthing old stuff. If you have a close relationship with one or both of your parents, speak to them about it. You know, I always say in a breakup, round up your troops, but when you're really dealing with also that intense abandonment stuff that leads to a tremendous amount of obsessing and rumination, now's really the time to surround yourself with loved ones. It will lift you up. It will do wonders. Most of all, just wanted to give you the context of why it is particularly difficult. Anyway, it's a lot here. I hope it helps please reach out to me at hello at jillianonlove.com and let me know how this has landed for you. I'd love for some of you to give this an experiment, to give it a go and let me know how it goes. If you have any questions for me that you want me to answer on Jillian on Love Plus, which is the subscriber episodes, you can always email me at hello at jillianonlove.com and ask the question there. Please, if you're feeling generous and you're feeling inspired, give us a five-star review and whatever it is that you want to share because it helps the podcast. And more importantly, to anyone that you think this episode could just give them a glimmer of insight, a glimmer of hope, a glimmer of help, please do not hesitate to share this. You just never know whose life you could be changing. Thank you for listening. And until next time. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production, executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson, produced by Ryan Countshouse, edited in music by Will Tendy. Hi, just checking in and seeing if you might want to step away from the noise of the world for just a moment and connect back to you. If so, join me on my podcast, Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion, where we'll explore mindfulness, self-love, and personal growth as I share practical insights and tools to hopefully help inspire you to start to take charge of your mental and emotional well-being. Search for Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. Hi, just checking in and seeing if you might want to step away from the noise of the world for just a moment and connect back to you. If so, join me on my podcast, Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion, where we'll explore mindfulness, self-love, and personal growth as I share practical insights and tools to hopefully help inspire you to start to take charge of your mental and emotional well-being. Search for Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now.